everyone. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs and game changers from all around the world on their strategies of how they launched their online empires and their massively successful businesses. And today we're with Desiree Cruz, and she is a lifestylist, and she's worked with Fortune 500 companies in sales and consulting, trains multimillionaires on how to diversify and develop their professional portfolios. She's launched several of her own businesses and is a mother to two energetic young boys. And now she guides the same types of high achieving professionals to remove internal blocks that prevent them from their zone of excellence and live from full abundance to create a lifestyle that they want to live instead of one they feel that they have to live, finding more self-love, more joy more connection and more wealth than ever before. And I'll hand it over to her to intro herself a little bit more. Hi. So um, I, you're reading the intro and I was like, oh, and then it's like, yes, that's all the professional stuff we were just talking about. And really, um, I was just, we were just talking about how my calling started so much earlier than that. And it really started outside of the idea of um, business. And yet, the the calling and the business are very much attached to each other. And so when I talk about my purpose and my calling and like really what I want to do with my business and what I want to do with, with my gifts that I've been given and this life experience that I've had is to actually help people get more in touch with their, we were just talking about orgasm, their orgasmic life, that essence, that excitement, that place of like creation and joy. And to live an orgasmic life. Yes, you do. You have to have like more self-love. You have to have more joy in your life. And to, for a lot of people, that means getting rid of those blocks and fears and past traumas that keep us from having those things that keep us constricted, keep us tight, keep us tense and gripping to what we think we should have or what we should have, what we've been told that that's where we're supposed to be going instead of really listening to our own intuition and listening to our own self, like the talk that we give ourselves and then going from there. And if you're a spiritual person, that also means listening to your, your spirit guides, your higher power, your God, like whatever it is, but it is that just internal voice that, that speaks to us all the time. And so working with those professionals, a lot of times sex and business get combined because they're very much attached, like money and love have a very similar vibration. And if you don't love money or if you don't like love yourself, then the money's not going to come. So like those things are very intertwined. And um, yeah, so that's a little bit more of kind of what I do. It's, um, but ultimately the, the goal, or I would say the outcome is to have people be more in alignment and have more self-love so they can have more of what they want in their, in their lives. Exactly. Amen. I agree with everything you just <laughs> said. And I heard a quote recently the other day from a sex coach on, I think it was on Instagram. And she's also going to be on our podcast coming up in a few episodes. And she was saying how you have sex is how you do everything. And I was like, hmm, mm -hmm. fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because it does so, tend, it does tend to bring up, or and also you're launching, which is an amazing to a topic and title, taboo talks. 
So like, I would love for this to be somewhat of a taboo talk <laughs> too, right. because it is to dive deeper into how we have, how we do sex is how we do everything. It brings up all of our insecurities, all of our past traumas when we're there completely exposed. We're mm -hmm. wanting to connect with someone on an energetic level. And a lot of times we're not quite achieving or mastering that of how we want to connect with someone. And we may not even be realizing how much we're connecting with someone. There's so many things come come up for us that are not talked about that we don't know how to phrase in our languaging how we a lot of times don't even know how to communicate that to the other person are you open to dive deeper yeah absolutely <laughs> you know it's funny because when I was creating taboo talks with my friend Jordan Manny um, originally it started as something that we called sex in the dark and the idea was we were gonna bring topics about sex into the light like making them okay to talk about, you know, if you don't want to put it in your Google bar search because you don't want somebody to open up your computer, like, hey, bring it to this talk and we're going to talk about it and discuss it. And as we were developing, Jordan and I realized that we came from very similar bringing, upbringing and in, in childhood where things were not actually taboo. Like while we on the outside looked like a very, you know, vanilla or, you know, straight and narrow type of family when you were actually inside of the home that, you know, my dad was a gynecologist, my stepdad was a gynecologist. And so often at the dinner table, things would come up that I am positive. Most kids did not talk about at their dinner table with their parents, you know, things about sex and anatomy and STIs and pregnancy and intimacy. And so these things became just very normal for me. And then people would come to me in high school and even though I was a virgin like you know I didn't have a lot of actual sexual experience I just had all this knowledge from my stepdad and having these open conversations with my parents um, that they would be like so how does this work and I remember even somebody like I, I, I don't know how to use a tampon you know things like that that were just didn't even phase me people were always like oh I'm sorry I hope this doesn't shock you I'm like yeah not much shocks me I'm good <laughs> But I also remember having like boys come home for dinner and dad, please don't talk about that at the dinner table. You're going to freak everybody out, you know, and, and that's just my teenager, you know, saying like, oh, I'm so afraid of being accepted. And yet I'm really grateful because that has really helped me later in life in accepting other people and hearing this and like things that people want to talk about. Jordan had a very similar upbringing in her home. She was raised Baptist, but again, the conversations were available. And so as we're developing these conversations, um, the people that would come to Sex in the Dark were really people that were talking about intimacy. They wanted to talk about intimacy. They wanted to talk about relationships and dynamics and connection. And there was a very small section on you know, the how to's and we have it like, you know, we even have a topic coming up in November. It's like, it's going to be a how to section of the taboo talk, but it's like, butt stuff. And it's like, okay, how do you actually do that in a safe manner? And people don't want to talk about that because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. And, and these are really important things to talk about with your partner and feel comfortable. And so really the things that we talk about to her and I are not taboo. Like anything is available. One of the taglines for Taboo Talks is anything is available at the Taboo Talk. And that means that you can bring really, you, we don't yuck another's yum. Like if you've got a kink or a fetish, like bring it. 
we're not going to like shame you. We're not, it's okay to talk about that. And, um, part of that is just that I believe that if you're in integrity with yourself, um, there really isn't a lot of secrets that you could have. You know, if you're always operating within integrity of yourself, if you're coming from a place of curiosity, if you're coming from a place of love, then there is no taboo. It is just being an acceptance of yourself, being acceptance of other people. And so at the taboo talks, like that's what we want to bring to the tables, bringing up some of these topics that people don't normally want to talk about because they're so afraid. Um, and those fears, they come from our past experience. They come from our trauma. They come from our upbringing or our childhood, or maybe even past life, if you believe in past life or generational beliefs that don't necessarily apply to today. And so when we're opening up that platform and that opportunity to talk about it, it's a very healing experience for many people. Oh, I imagine. I imagine having that or that container, you're holding a really safe, it feels great kind of container that they can fully express themselves in that they don't have, they don't have other places they may not even have in their own relationships. And like speaking of butt stuff, (laughs) 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 I've had several friends that will throw out there and, and, you know, it's a spontaneous in our conversation. They're like, I'm not doing butt stuff. No way. And I'm just like, I don't know. You might change your (laughs) mind eventually. They're just like, no way. I already told, I mean, they're married even. It's like, I already told my husband that's never happening. And I'm like, okay. It's, it's one of those things I feel people need to discuss. This is what this means to me. This is how it will feel. This is what I'm open to doing. This is what I'm not open to doing because of this. I mean, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think in that specific topic, um, what's really funny is that it's not, it's never an accident. Like that's always a conversation. Just the way (laughs) our anatomy is built, it's never an accident. So it's good to like actually have that conversation. And I think also to release some of the fear behind like, what does it mean if that's what I'm into or if that's what's like brings me pleasure, you know, our body is capable of pleasure in a lot of different ways. And that could be one of them. And one of the, Abraham Hicks says, you don't like, you have to not know or something about like what you don't know or what you don't want often leads you to what you do want. And until you know what you don't want, sometimes you can't know what you do want. And so when we're talking about anal sex or other kinds of kink or other kinds of pleasure, or even just like, I want to have sex every single day, or I only want to have sex once a month. You don't discover those things until you start having that conversation first with yourself of like, what do I like? What am I into? What am I curious about? And sometimes you have to try it before you know whether or not you're going to like it. And I think that's when you're talking about with your friends, it's like, oh, I've said, no, that's not going to happen. But where did that not going to happen come from? Did it come from like an actual experience that was not pleasurable? Did it come from a belief that wasn't even theirs? Did it come from society that said like, that's not supposed to happen? Or that means that I'm like, really kinky and, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, so those conversations like are great to be having so that you know, I mean, I'm not into everything out there. I think it's funny, like, there's almost this fetishization of if you're a desire or a sex coach, or if you're into orgasmic meditation, or if you're into Tantra, then you must like all of the things. And it's like, <laughs> that's, no, I can see no, that. that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, it becomes very challenging in the dating world sometimes because I'm almost like, I'm very proud of what I do and I don't want to hide it. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, you know, do I want to tell them that that's what I do to begin with? Because immediately all of these beliefs come up for people. And then they're like, like what kind of beliefs, for example, what do you mean? Um, oh, well, if I, you know, I coach a lot in the polyamory and swinger community and even in BDSM and I've worked as a dominatrix before. And when I talk about those things, people immediately assume that that's what my sex life is like, or that's what it's going to be like to date me. And that's not true because when I actually get into what do I want as a person and what are the standards that I hold for myself, um, and then I communicate those to a partner they're not always this, you know, what people would read about in the ethical slut or more than two or like a book like that, or they're not necessarily about going to swinging parties. It's about, you know, I want for myself a very deep connection and, you know, I want certain qualities and standards in a, in a partner. Um, and that doesn't fit into any one box. And so that becomes a lot of, you know, I had to do a lot of self-discovery and healing and I'm still doing that. Like I call myself the perfectly imperfect coach because um, if you think that you're going to show up to a coaching session and I have all of the answers for you and I know everything, then you're actually setting yourself up for some like real big disappointment because one of the ways in which I've learned and grown is through experience. And also through other people giving me reflection of, I actually know myself inside more. So if you show up to my session, you're going to get a very imperfect person that can help and give you reflection of where I've been, but also give you reflection of what you already know. You have those answers inside of you. It's just being willing to be seen and having someone that can actually see that and like draw that out of you. And that's oftentimes like, I don't ever say like get coached by your partner, but I think that's oftentimes a really great partnership too, or even a really great business partner is someone that can be honest with you that can admit where they're not perfect. Or you were talking about like where you can take responsibility for their your side and your ownership of, of your, you know, side of the, the sidewalk. Um, but also like somebody that's willing to, to grow with you and see you through those growing pains. Um, you know, we don't just show up into a relationship and that person is perfect. They, you create that relationship together and you, you grow together to get the kind of relationship you want. That's so true. And it's every day. It's, it's not like, oh, well, we're so compatible. This is, we're not supposed to argue or (laughs) right. Yeah, we are compatible though. Yes. Like you said, we're always co-creating and making or molding ourselves not in a way that we're stifling because I feel like there's a there's a balance and with parenting too I'm always aware of that that balance between I want to make sure there's structure though I also want to make sure that she can unfold and feel like she's truly expressing herself in something Mm -hmm. similar in a relationship there's there's boundaries though do both people feel accepted supported appreciated within those boundaries and if they don't can we talk about why they're not feeling that way and maybe find a compromise or some kind of middle ground with each other well and then also when you're you talk about compatibility 
And there's, I think initially, like, you know, a lot of people experience the spark, they experience the like joy and the rush and the, like, especially when they have great communication and connection with another person. And I see oftentimes relationships burn out very quickly when they don't also slow down enough to feel like and, and hold their own standard. So, you know, you show up and you're like, oh my gosh, he's perfect. This is the perfect person. They meet all the standards that I wrote out on this piece of paper that I believe in. And, and I've got that. Like I have my standards, right? Um, and they are on a piece of paper. Thank you, Erica Vargas. We did the man menu. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, they've, I've got these standards. But what do those standards look like when you actually become in connection with another person? And are you holding them for them for yourself? Um, not actually expecting them to hold them. So, you know, if one of your standards is physical touch, you know, and you really enjoy physical touch and relationship, and the other person is just like, you can hit all the other places, but you're like, oh, I'm not true to myself if I'm going to be in a relationship where I'm not getting this particular need met. And while you do want that need met from the other person, it's not the other person's responsibility to do that if that's not what their need is as well. You know, if there's something in them that is very uncomfortable with that, then that's not necessarily a great fit. And we get this like attachment to a certain person or a certain compatibility. And then we give up on our other desires because, and then that's when, you know, six months, nine months down the road, you're like in this relationship and you're stuck and you're miserable and you're like, what happened? Well, you, you as you know, an individual didn't hold up to the things that you wanted and like what you desired. You let go of the lifestyle that you were looking for. Exactly. Yeah. I, re I recently had something happen where I needed to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep. And I stayed awake to have a conversation. So I was feeling compromised in my standards at that point. Like, okay, I'm, going to stay awake because the other person really wanted to have another conversation with me and they were visiting with family. So I needed to wait and I understood what they were doing. And I, when I would usually just be like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm so tired. I'm just going to go to sleep. I compromised or negotiated too far beyond my personal standards yeah. or my boundary. So by the time I got on the phone, I was just like, I was not in a talking mood. I was just done and needed to be sleeping already. And then I didn't get as much sleep as I wanted that night. And I was at first mad at them till mm -hmm. I reflected on what was the beginning point of this whole conversation. And then of course it manifested into like a small disagreement because he was tired too and probably needed to be sleeping. So when two people are tired and kind of grumpy and not in a talkative mood, it's probably no need to force that. So we were both kind of forcing talking. And the next day I said, like, I didn't follow through with my personal boundary of how much I know I need sleep. I know that already. And I, I needed to just go to sleep. So can you please you know, be patient with me on that too? That the next time that was to happen, and understand I'm going to tell you, Hey, I, I need to just go to sleep. The, you like, I would love to talk to you totally in my intention that I love having conversations with you and I'm not going to be present probably because I know that I need to be sleeping and yeah. I would really love for you to, to honor that. And it uh, understanding my side, like you were saying, 
and then his side of yeah I was also really grumpy <laughs> like him him honoring where he was coming from too I was super tired I probably brought up things that were the wrong time to bring those up I could have brought those up the next day and you, you weren't in a space to receive what I was bringing up and him honoring that and then I was both like okay we're gonna do better next time right <laughs> right neither one of us are perfect but it did it did come back to me not really being in that standard I mean on my side and Mm -hmm. him also following through with that there's a promise we're not going to bring stuff up that is that can be a sensitive topic or can be a maybe a long-winded more important topic right before we sleep because it tends to um, get our brains going and we're in a process of unwinding before sleeping so he also didn't follow through with that with that promise or forgot or so mm. we're we're both gonna like do better the next well, and I think that that's good too it's like okay we're both gonna do better you know people yeah. aren't perfect it's not gonna be if you have absolutely no conflict in your relationship then you probably aren't growing and that is just <laughs> the reality of it that there are gonna be challenges that people as you become more intimate and deeper into knowing yourself and knowing another person and then being in connection with that there's going to be things that are triggered or that are brought up that you might not experience in just like a regular friendship because they don't, they don't touch the same buttons and it's being able to see when those buttons are touched and then like either doing it in connection or I like to say like go to a coach and take care of the mess and then bring the message back to your relationship so that, you know, and that's, you know, a perfect, you know, an ideal world of you every single argument you have, you're going to come to it grounded and, and responsible and take ownership and, and fully resourceful. Yeah, it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> but if you have the intention of like, Hey, I'm going to go somewhere else. And, and I'm, I don't necessarily think that your best friend is the best place to do that because sometimes our best friends want to like collude and they want to, you know, take you down the rabbit hole. And so it doesn't actually serve you and it doesn't actually help you see what's happening when they're they're going on that ride with you so if you have somebody that like you can talk to that's like hey I'm really into an intimate relationship with this person I need some tools how do I communicate this with them that's really um the ideal situation and then being able to practice that you know like Mm -hmm. seeing every single time when you get in a fight and maybe you withdraw and they provoke you and poke at you and you'd be able to like start naming like hey so i noticed that we have this pattern and you know when i need space you come in after me and um that doesn't really work very well for us and so you know when i need space i can say i need space and can you give me that space until i'm ready to come to the conversation more resourceful more grounded you know and and then we, it'll be more productive. Like, obviously this is a topic we need to talk about, but can we do it so that it actually serves both of us and our connection rather than creating a big like explosion? A lot of people love to create connection. With <laughs> yeah, they do. Or with poking, like you said, and oh, well that didn't get an explosion. Let me find something else. Let me poke there. Let me poke there. <laughs> right. And it's this like yeah. counterintuitive, like, thing that we do when, Hey, I want to be closer to you. So I'm going to like poke at you, you know, it's, 
And really it's just, Hey, can I have like five minutes of cuddle time on the couch? Or can I, you know, can we go have dinner? And instead we make these like, um, flybys, uh, to our partner of like, Oh, we never get to sit on the couch. Well, behind every complaint is a desire. (laughs) Like, you know, there is a desire underneath that. Like we never get to sit on the couch and what they're really looking is for connection. But the we never get to sit on the couch is not going to get you to the couch. (laughs) True. Or they may be feeling a little insecure, which is totally okay. And they need to hear one sentence of something really sweet, or they need to hear what you appreciate about them. And instead of asking, what do you appreciate about me? They're like, I'm I'm feeling disconnected from you. Are you talking to other people or something just like really snide? And you're like, what? yeah, and uh, so no? like, I hear that, oh, you don't feel safe in the relationship to be able to tell me what you need right now. So what is it that, like, you need and what? how can you feel safe there? And sometimes that's just, like, the safety is created within. It, it's not always about the other person's actions and, like, you know, they didn't create an unsafe environment. You were you co-created that. But mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, what did I do to create an unsafe environment for myself. Like, Oh, I wasn't telling the truth enough, like, or I wasn't expressing myself enough or I didn't, I wasn't open to like being heard. And so then when it does come down to actually like you expressing those insecurities, you've created this habit. And then that creates um, a lack of stability and unsafeness in the relationship. And it, you know, it happens. I think you were saying like just earlier, was it before the conversation or on the video about how you're, how you have sex is like how you do everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, how, how you interact with your, your partner is how you're going to be interacting with your business partners too, or your children. Yeah, exactly. So true. So true. Um, I, yeah, I do. I do feel like it's creating our, if we were feeling insecure, expressing, I'm feeling a little insecure right now, or I'm feeling a little unsafe right now because of X, Y, Z, or because of this, or do you feel yeah. like we can, we can talk about that a little bit more? And I know that it, that comes, like you said, that comes from being a mess <laughs> some other days <laughs> and talking to your coach about it. Oh, I wanted to revisit that topic about that that came up with me that came up for me in that um expressing that a lot of times when we talk with our best friend or our mom sister people that we have really close relationships with they're going to tend to only see our side mm-hmm. and they're going to tend to possibly enable us to continue the same patterns that we're continuing and not display to us our side or our our hand in everything that's happening uh they they may say things like oh i'm sure you were just tired or or that person oh they sound controlling or they sound like this or they sound oh they're like that they must be like that i think it's time you just you just get you know just end things Mm -hmm. because they don't want to see us suffer in pain so they're more likely to be like, oh, just end it now before you get deeper into this. And then you, you walk away with feeling, why did I say anything at all? Like, <laughs> that wasn't really helpful. I'm not sure I feel, I know that they support me, but they, of course, they have your side, they have your back. And they're not, they're not also hearing, no matter how objectively we say it to them, they're not hearing the other person's side. 
their feelings and where they were coming from. So I get that maybe they're unable to say, oh, I bet that she meant like this or he meant like that. And it was just a misunderstanding. And I'm sure if you guys, like, like a coach would be able to say, maybe if you were to say it with a different tone or you were to wait till they're not, they didn't, they didn't just come home from work and they're like all overwhelmed and maybe wait a few hours. So they have, they have some space or give those kind of tips to them they would immediately be like, okay, let's, yeah, just cut it off. Right. I mean, and, and some of that is really going back to, well, what do you want? And I think that a lot of our family and friends, they, there's, there's two things that happen is that they want us. Yes. They, they don't want us to suffer. They want to take care of us. They want, you know, when you love someone, you want the best for them. So you want them to be happy. The other part of it is that they are, a lot of people are not very comfortable in sitting in discomfort and they want to fix it. And so if you're coming to them and you're complaining about this thing, then they're immediately going to fix it mode. They want to give advice. They want to like make you feel better. Um, not just to make you feel better, but also because they're uncomfortable with sitting with that discomfort of like, you know, not knowing what to do. And, and I had a friend over the other night and I was really tired. We'd been out all night. I'd gone over my boundaries. I knew because I was like, oh, I should have gone home like three hours earlier. <laughs> and I kept like, nope, I'll go out. I'll go out. And so when she like expressed something to me that was really sensitive, I like just kind of looked at her and I was like, I don't really know what to do here right now because I was so tired. Like even as a coach, I was like, I've been coaching all day. I've been working all day. I stayed up too late. It's like, oh, I actually don't have the resources to be able to like do this. But that was the very thing that needed to really happen was just to sit with the discomfort and be okay with that. And because I'm, you know, practiced in sitting in discomfort, <laughs> like, okay. So when you come to a coach, they can sit with you and be like uncomfortable with you, you know, expressing what you need to express in order for you to find your own solution. Sometimes it's just the, you need to express what you need to express because you have the answers, you know what you want. And when you're allowed to like, let that run and like feel it all the way, then you come up with them, your answers on your own. Hmm. And do you feel like it's possible to coach a significant other through holding that container? for each other um, as well. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, I think that it gets a little tricky. You know, mm -hmm. I would never really recommend coaching your significant other. You're just way too like mm -hmm. invested in the relationship and it can, I, you know, I had a guy that I was dating that was like, I feel like you're being, you're coaching me. And so <laughs> I was like, well, I can see where you you think that. Um, and my point was, well, you've never been coached by me, so you don't know really what that looks like. <laughs> I said, and like, it is part of who I am. So yes, I am a, like, I'm going to naturally ask certain questions because that's, I live like for coaching. I live my life every day. And so there are certain like responses that I have. And then I, you know, kind of sat back and looked at it and I said, okay, well, I don't want to coach you. I don't want to be your mom. I don't want to coach you. I don't want to fix you. Um, so you tell me what you need right now so that I can be more present. And they're like, oh, I just want to talk and like, let it all out. I'm like, okay, great. You know, like you do that. 
And that actually served our connection a lot better than for me to coach my significant other or my partner or somebody that like I wanted to be in a relationship with, you know. Um, but it is something you can practice with your partner, with your family members. And I think it's very healthy. And I have one of my best friends, when we call and talk to each other, um, we really have an agreement to not let each other go so far down the like path of collusion. It's like, oh, okay, I see where you're going with this. And like, go ahead and like run it all out. Um, but I'm going to tell you the truth in the end of like, you know, if I think that it's not, I'm not going to necessarily agree with you immediately. And then also just being willing to say like, I'm, do you want me to listen or do you want to like get some advice here? Um, cause I, I think that that's really important, but being willing to sit with someone in their discomfort is a really great skill to develop whether you're coaching them or not. I definitely agree. I do see that coming up for couples as somewhat uh, difficult to, especially related or with a more masculine express person. Cause I feel like the masculinity goes into, Oh my gosh, they're uncomfortable. I need to fix this. Mm -hmm. or I need to offer feedback. So part of my communication, I, some, I often say right now, I re would really like you to listen. I, I'm not, I do not want your feedback right now. <laughs> like, I'm very clear, not in a mean way, but like I really, I will not respond well to feedback right now <laughs> because I'm too emotional to receive it. I'm just not in a place to receive it. And that's actually really great. I tell, I tell men and or the masculine mind a lot that it's like, you are actually doing something by doing nothing. By sitting still and listening and not fixing, you're actually doing something. And that helps them because they mm. want to do something. They want to fix it. They want to help. They want to rescue. Like, and learning to not rescue someone from their own problem is, you know, our society teaches people to rescue a lot. They teach, they, you know, they raise a lot of little white knights that, oh, there's a problem. I'm going to go solve it, you know? And so then when you're, constantly given praise for that kind of behavior and then you get into a relationship and you don't want to rescue your partner you want your partner to be able to like be autonomous and show up to their the relationship as a whole person not somebody that you have to fix um i mean that's ideal right um True. and so you know i i do tell people like if you are feeling this like crazy need to fix something look at like why you know, what is happening there? Are you just trying to like avoid the discomfort, you know, or, or can you do by just doing nothing? Wow. I love that. That's great advice and feedback. And it, I do feel, I, I have recently had a conversation related to that, um, that he needed, he needs to feel needed. Mm-hmm. So it's not even if you're doing something or you're rescuing someone or you're doing something for them and maybe coming from a place before even asking them what they need, like you're just jumping to it and it, it may be coming from if I'm not needed, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. Or I'm like, if I'm, if I'm not needed by somebody right now, then I'm not, I'm, I'm not the full potential of myself or I'm not, I'm, I'm not really myself or you, you know what I mean? I don't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I look at it sometimes. Uh, I had this like big epiphany when my boys were two and four. And 
that when I left them by themselves, um, they were okay for a little while, but then they would create like a fight or a disaster or a big mess because then they had my attention one and two, they had a job. And I realized that if I gave them a job to begin with and I helped them feel useful and I helped them to feel connected to me and we did it together, there were a lot less fights and there were a lot less messes. And so, you know, translating that into our adulthood where even as a woman, I have a masculine, right? So like my masculine, if my masculine doesn't have a job, if I'm not on purpose, if my feminine hasn't committed or communicated to my masculine side, like this is what you need to do. I, you know, we all have self-destructive behaviors that will prevent us from being on purpose or being in alignment. Um, and then in relationship, what that looks like is, um, if you, you know, that's great is like, he says that he needs to be needed. Like, okay, so what does that look like? What, what makes you feel needed? Because that's where communication can break down too. Um, if, because what makes me feel needed, it may be very different than what my partner needs to feel needed. And that's not rescuing, that's open communication and being able to create more stability, more safety, more intimacy. And it, you know, it could be like, hey, I'm not available to give that to you. You know, if you um, need your feet washed when you walk through the door in order to feel like you're cared for, like, you know, that's probably not something that's within my range of, of resources. Like I'm not going to wash your feet when you walk through the door, but I can come and give you a hug or I can like tell you that I appreciate you, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, Desiree, to wrap up, what do you feel like are the top three tips? Let's say if someone was or with their life or with their self-love or wanting to open up like self-discovery, where would you say for them to start like the top three without, without like going into a lot of detail because they can. Yeah. Really? Probably should have led with that one. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, so we didn't touch on it, but I will just bring it out. There's is a talk they recently did on manifestation takes massive action. And really all of the things that we've talked about just now are about how to manifest or how to have like more fulfilling life or relationship or communication. And so I would say like the, not the top three, but maybe the three steps to actually having more of what you want is to first like start every morning um, and even every evening with desires and gratitudes, just writing down 10 things that you want so that you can start to see a trend of like, what do you actually want in your life? And then once you know what you want, or you have an idea of the more of the things that you want, then it starts to become the massive action part. You can't just like write it down and like burn it and let the smoke carry it up into the universe and expect the universe to like actually do something with it. You have to be able to take the steps towards those desires. And so how do you do that? So you figure out what you want and then you figure out like what kind of person do you need to be? Not like what does everybody else need to do, but what kind of person do you need to be in order to have those desires? Do you need to be more motivated? Do you need to be um, more open, more loving? Do you need to be less fearful? Like what kind of person do you need to be in order to have those desires? And really like, again, writing exercises are great pen to paper 
uh, is much more effective, I feel like, than typing things out. There's just something that happens in your brain where if you're writing it down, like, and you're just letting it flow and you're not stopping yourself, it's much more effective. So what do you need to, or who do you need to be in order to have those desires? And then the last step is really um, super crucial because while you're learning to be that person, there's going to be blocks that come up. There's going to be fears. There's going to be things that get in your way. And so being able to identify what those are and then working on clearing them. And you can clear them, you know, in several different ways. Like you can clear them through prayer. You can clear them through a 12-step program. You can clear them through fear inventory. You can clear them with a coach or hypnosis. Like there's a lot of different ways to clear them. But clearing those blocks and healing those things that are preventing you from being your full self. From, from being that person that you desire to be and to have more of a full life. Nice. Perfect. Thank you for that. And how can people contact you? They would like Absolutely. To. So I'm on Facebook and it's Desiree Cruz or actually the professional page is Desiree M. Cruz. Thank you, Instagram and Facebook. Like didn't let me switch things over. So Desiree M. Cruz, but it's spelled differently. It's D-E-S-E-E. R-E-M-Cruz, um, C-R-U-Z. And so you can look me up on Facebook and Instagram, or you can go to my website. It's DesireeCruz.com. And I'm sure Allison will probably put all that jazz in the Yeah, intro. I will, for sure. You can look it up, too. <laughs> and, um, you know, check out, if you're in town, the Taboo Talks are in San Antonio at the Love Shack Boutique once a month. And then I'm also going to be doing some online talks because I have realized that as I put events up, people are like, I wanna go to these and I'm in New Zealand. So I'm gonna start moving a lot of my talks online about you know, manifesting takes massive action, giving you more concrete steps towards that, creating your own kingdom and your heaven on earth, you know, things like how to actually create the life that you desire. Perfect, amazing. Thank you so much, Desiree. Thank you.